Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. We need faith to fight. And let me just, let me say this to you. This is, this is hard, hard to say, but it has to be said. Sometimes people that you love do not have the faith to fight for themselves. Okay? When I was on the way to hell, fast, I was on, I was like, if I would have woke up in my sin, I would have died, I would have went straight to hell. I had, I had people fighting for me, for my soul, fighting. I'll tell you the story one time, I came home, coked up, eat pills, high, I mean, I was real high, really good, I was feeling, I was high and I came home I laid on my bed to go to sleep because we were we didn't have uber we drove people like you text and drive like we used to roll dutch masters high and drunk and drive I'm not proud of that but I'm saying so this is we come from a different era we didn't we didn't do uber we did a gallon of Bacardi dark and drove like we're different we're built different we didn't do what are those lemonades that they do Oh my Lord, we didn't do that. Anyway, let me shut up. I, gotta, I have to repent later and stuff. I get too excited. And I come home high. I mean, I was real high, very high. You know what E, e and E and Coke can get you feeling, woo! I was, you know, high. And uh, I lay on my bed, and immediately I got sober. I wanted to kill my mom. <laughs> I wanted to kill her. I, I was so mad. I felt like I got violated. I was so upset. I was so angry. All of my demons were, were unhappy. I was so mad because I spent all this money to get high, and I come home to get in my bed and chill, and I get immediately sober because she was laying on the bed weeping, and interceding for my soul. Okay? Now, why am I saying that story? I'm saying that because there are people that do not have the strength right now, and they need you to fight for them in intercession, in prayer, in being loving and patient, in rebuking them, whatever God tells you to do, but they need you to fight for them because they don't have the strength to fight for themselves. Sometimes we look at people, we look at their gift, their talent, or their, their career, their job, or their, whatever they have, where they live, and we, we think that that equals spiritual maturity, or spiritual strength, or emotional stamina, or emotional agility, and those things are not the same. Are, are, you, are you tracking with me? So, so you have to fight sometimes for people that you love, and sometimes for people that you don't love yet, or people that don't love you and you're learning to love them, you have to fight. So you have to ask the Lord to give you faith to not fight with them, <laughs> but fight for them. That's what Christians are, many times when the devil gets involved in the Christian situation, we kill our own. We, we make all types of, we're the worst at that. Instead of fighting for each other, 
We start fighting with each other. When a church turns inward, it starts dividing and fighting inward. When it's fighting the good fight of faith, it's outward and it's doing the work of the kingdom. So we need faith to fight. I'll give you one biblical example. Remember the, the, four, the four guys? Remember Mark 2? You got the lame guy? Four guys carry him in. It said that Jesus saw their faith and their faith was his breakthrough. So there's times in which where sometimes your faith has to carry someone. They say that's the difference between strength in the world. Strength in the world, we flex on people. In the kingdom, we use strength to lift people. We bear with the weak. We, we help them. We don't, we don't flex on people. We don't, we don't do that. That's, that's not how strength in the kingdom works. That's not how, for example, wealth in the world. The, the more money you have, the bigger the wall in front of your house. In the, in the kingdom, we use wealth to build bridges, not walls. So, so the, we, we, are, we have a different operating system. You have to really, it'll take time, but the more you understand this new operating system, the more naturally you can express your supernatural faith. And people, people don't know what to do sometimes. And, just, and that's okay because they're experiencing the kingdom, but they're not from the kingdom. They're not used to the kingdom. So they should, they're experiencing something different. So they may not know how to act. It's like if you take a real ghetto person to a rich person's house, they're like, oh, snap, you got two refrigerators. It's like, no, that, that's not a, you know, they don't, they don't, they just, you know, it's, it's, you know, sometimes people may not know how to act, but you just love them and you just help them. All right. Faith to fight. Now, I want to bring you to Hebrews 11, and I'm not going to do all the verses, praise the Lord. But I was listening to a prophet recently, Phil Capuccio, good Italian boy, and he, he really brought something out that I thought, wow, that's really interesting. It's really good. Here's what he said. He said that, you know, the Bible, when you see the Bible, the Bible is not like talking points. So usually one chapter does not have one topic. It's very, very, very rare where you have one chapter devoted to one topic. You have 1 Corinthians 13, that's one of them. And you have really Hebrews 11, that's another one. But most of them are not solely and simply and clearly devoted to one truth expressed various different ways. So Hebrews 11 is one of those instances and I want to just flesh out a few of these verses and help you see something that you may already know. Maybe I'm just reminding you. Maybe you're seeing it a little differently, but it, here we are. Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, the word substance there is the foundation. It's the support. It is also a project. Faith is a project. You know, if you've ever been on a job site, there's various different teams of various different shops working on a job site. And if they learn how to work together, the project goes well. So if your faith is working with hope and love and, you, you, you know, you can work better with people. It's also an undertaking or, the, or essence. The word essence is also used. The essence of, we live in a culture that does not value essence, it values image. You have people that would rather look strong than be strong, look rich than be rich. You, we have whole entire economies that are built on fakeness. 
Whole entire industries built on fakeness. All right. <laughs> Fine. I'll move on. All right. Now, uh, it's, it's, it's the substance of things hoped for or the things that we expect. So if I could say it this way, what faith believes, hope expects. So we'll look at it like you order a package on Amazon, you buy it, and you track it. And if you're like me, you track it all the time when you're in the bathroom. When you, you just keep tracking it as if you're, you're not tracking it, you're stalking it. And it does not come any faster. Have you ever had that revelation? I feel like I get that revelation once a week. Like, it's like it hasn't moved. It's still in Pennsylvania. Like, why not? Like, where are you? So what faith believes, hope expects. So you, you purchase something, and you, and you believe you, you know, it let, the money left your account, went into their account, now it's on shipping and coming to you, so now you are expecting it, so you're looking for it. You never look for what you don't expect. See, you can tell what people really expect by what they're looking for. All right. Okay. The substance leads to real evidence. If there is real substance, there is real evidence. Watch what he says next. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. So wherever there is real faith, there is a good testimony. Let me say it this way. Wherever there is mature faith, there's a good testimony. So you could have real faith, but it's not mature yet. And part of the challenge in church is that you can look at someone who's old, but they're really young. And you can look at someone who's strong and they're really weak. And you could, so you could really, it's, it's very sometimes, if you look in the natural, you can't get a reading. It's spiritual. You know, there's different, develop, there's different levels of sons. We're going to have to get into, this keeps coming up. This is, this is getting, this is getting to be. So you have the nepios. You've got the huyos. And then you've got the technon. So you have one son that is a mature son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The 30, he's the high priest. He's stepping into the fullness of his inheritance. He's mature. And the only thing he's done so far is wait. <laughs> he didn't reveal himself. That's indition exposure. He waited for God to speak on his behalf, not speaking for himself. And then you have the, the, the other son that is like a babysitter son. He's not really a mature son, but he helps take the other little son to school. So he's like a, a man-child where he, ha he can handle some responsibility, but not full responsibility. So he's an adolescent spiritually. So spiritually, he does adolescent things. Then you have a, a little, little, what Jesus said, little children. He calls his best guys little children. Then you have immature people that are just sincere, but immature. So, so it's almost like justice, he's 10, he's, he, he can be handled with some, some level of you know, reason and maturity. He's very smart, he does his own thing. But every once in a while, he reveals to me he's still 10 years old. 
And then the other guy is wild and does whatever he wants. And every once in a while, he shows me that he can listen and he can, he can focus and he can become, he's going to become one day, you know, a functional person. But right now, the, that, at that age, his main focus is what he wants. That's, what, that's the essence of immaturity. The thing that you focus on determines the level of maturity that you are. An adolescent focuses on what they want as well, not as much as a little child. A mature son is not focused on what he wants. He's focused on what the father wants. And when you focus on what the father wants, you get more of what you want. Okay. Now, verse 3 by faith, we understand that the worlds, this is really something, were framed by the word of God. Now, I was looking into this. Now, this is really fascinating because the, world, the, the word worlds is the word aeon or age. So you have several words for world. <laughs> you have cosmos. And you have aeon. So when Jesus is talking about the end in Matthew 24, people think that Jesus is talking about the cosmos, but in fact he's talking about the aeon or the age, which is not the end of the world. So the Greek language is, is, is a, the English is a terrible language. I was telling them the other night, I was studying another passage in Jude uh, where God is able to keep you from stumbling and where it says that. And then the other, in the few verses before that, it says praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God. You will see the word keep in English. In Greek, they are completely and totally different words. One is about observing, one is the other, is the other one is guarding. God will guard you, the other one is you, you must observe. So, so the, I just want to say, if, you're by, if you speak other languages, you, you're, you have an advantage. Because English is just a, a terrible language. I'm sorry to shatter all the white, the whites and the blacks. But all you people, Spanish, Portuguese, and all the rest, like if you speak other language, Arabic, I, I mean Hebrew, it's just so much. It's, anyway. Alright, so... By faith, we understand. So faith brings us into understanding. So I don't understand and then have faith. Now this seems elementary, but this is, this is how I will tell you, you will not argue people into the kingdom of God. If they want to understand and then believe, that's pride. They'll never have it. God does not owe you an explanation. You owe God your life. I'm all about apologetics, get knowledge, all, all that, get understanding, get wisdom, great. But God is not obligated to respond to people's pride. In fact, pride in Obadiah 1.3 says, the pride of your own heart has deceived you. Pride is deceptive. Pride lies to you. Pride is the thing that fuels prayerlessness and is the thing that causes people not to seek God because they don't think they need him. Anytime church is a, is a stress or reading the Bible is a stress or worship is stressful and it feels like a task, it's because you don't realize how bad you need God. If you knew how bad you need God, you'd run. You'd run and throw yourself on the floor. 
You'd run to church. You'd be happy on the way to church. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be, your whole, you'd be looking at the Bible, picking the Bible up, crying. You open the Bible, you start crying. These are the very words of God himself speaking. You'd be a mess. But if people do not realize that, okay, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now the word word here is not the logos, which is in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. That's the second person of the Godhead, Father, Son, the eternal word. This is the word rhema. Rhema, man does not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is the rhema word that releases the power of God. It is the God-breathed, right now, Holy Spirit-inspired insight for now, and that is the thing. So... This is the thing. I don't know if you know this or not, but your words create worlds. The words that you speak, they create an ecosystem. There are certain things that cannot live in certain ecosystems. Are, are you tracking with me? A polar bear does not live in the Caribbean. If you take animals, cute little deer or whatever they are from the Caribbean, and you put them in the Arctic Circle, they will die. They cannot sustain that environment and that ecosystem. Are you with me? There's certain trees that are made in a certain way. There's trees, uh, this one tree, I forget what it's called, it's like, a, it's like a pine tree, and what God did when he made this tree is he put wax on its needles so that when the snow hits it, it falls off of it and doesn't crush the tree. There's other trees that they can live in high acidic soil that would kill other trees. There's one tree that has the seed of its own life inside of itself, this is a tree that is, that is in areas where there's forest fires. And when, when the tree is burned, let's say by a fire, it heats up the resin. The seed that is in it dies, and it's like that same tree is reborn right where it was. God put that there. That is a sign, that is a witness from heaven of resurrection. You ever see a, a, a little piece of grass and a little, little tree on the side of a mountain breaking forth? You ever see some little blades of grass in the ghetto and, and they're poking through? And it, that is signs of resurrection life all around us. There are, but this is my main point. All that is nice and cute. But all of what I'm really saying to you is that the words that you speak create, whether you know it or not, the environment that you live in. And it, it is what determines what will live and what will die in your environment. Recently, I've been having a conversation with someone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I realize, I understand why there's a level of contention in the back and forth. I realize it. It's because one person speaking is cautious of the words that they speak. The other person is not cautious of the words that they speak. So every time there is, there is, a, there is a transaction of words, 
They don't have the same value system with words. So the conversation, there's something in the conversation that is not flowing, and that's why. So this is important. So, so you can be with someone that they speak doubt. They speak disappointment. They speak hopelessness, and you're trying to speak life. And, and so what, what's happening is that it's contaminating the environment. So you're trying to get life, and someone is speaking death. So there's going to be a level of friction there, even if you love each other, even if you care about each other, and even if you're actually trying to pursue a same goal because of the value system that you have on words and they have on words, you cannot fully jive with them in this matter. So by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So the invisible created the visible. So God spoke, he released Rhema. He released Rhema and he created ages or aeons. So the words that you speak determine the season that you live in. This is very important. This is so important. Now, if you take what I'm saying and you stretch what I'm saying, you get name it, claim it, professing it, and this and that, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about agreeing with God and speaking life. But you don't realize how limiting you can be with yourself by the words you speak. My wife is a witness. I wrote something on a card. I wrote something on a card. At the end of last year, I wrote something on a card. Two things. I wrote two watches on a card. And it was totally by faith. And I didn't think I can, I was like, I don't even think this is possible. But I wrote it down. Now it's very possible. It's very possible. But see, here's the thing. If you don't believe it and you don't speak it, you won't, you won't, exactly, you won't receive it. So now this is a very, very important principle. This is not about money, by the way. I'm trying, I'm trying to explain to you that this is actually about the quality of your life and your life in the kingdom. The kingdom is voice activated. Nothing in the kingdom happens without declaration. Someone hears from God agrees with God, echoes what God says, which invites angelic assistants that are there to minister and to serve the heirs of salvation. Today we were reading Psalm 34 about the angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him. So there is a different presence with us. You have the presence of the Lord, but you also have the presence of angels with us. So when we're on assignment, they're on assignment. When we're, when we're off assignment, I don't know what they do. If I knew, I'd write a book about it. I don't know what they do. I don't know, if they're, I don't know what they're up to, but 
But, if, but they are there to serve and to strengthen God's people. You see that when Jesus passed through temptation, the angels came and it says they ministered to him, which is like they touched him, they, they strengthened him, but they didn't speak a word. So just because you don't hear something and just because you don't see something doesn't mean nothing is there. So the words that we speak are either inviting the demonic or they're inviting the Holy Spirit. They're inviting the angelic assistance of God that is sent from God to minister to the heirs of salvation, which is us. This is very important. The, the words that we speak create, it, they create, it creates a runway for things to land. Okay. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. By it, the elders obtained a good testimony. So that means wherever there's mature faith, there's a good testimony. We're going to go through this now. Then we learn that faith is able to bring us into an understanding that primary understanding is that the ages were shaped by the rhema word of God that came from the God the Son's mouth. Right? Let's stick to the... Then we learn that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are not made... Uh, with the things that were not made of things which were visible. So, so that the things which are seen, rather, are not made of things which are visible. Which means that the unseen world is more powerful than the seen world. We judge by the sight of our eyes as humans. God does not judge that way. He looks at the essence of what something is. He can look past the fronting and the pretending and the fakeness or the smile. Or the, and he looks at something for what it really is. Now, by faith, Abel. Say Abel. This is the first personal expression of faith. Abel. We're going to get into this for a second. Now it gets personal. So first you have the elders. You have the elders. Which we don't know who, who, who those elders are, but the elders. So you can think of the ancient Israelites, but there's elders. They're, they are placed here before Abel. I don't know who they are. Maybe they're the elders in the throne room. I don't know who they are. I cannot tell you. Again, if I can tell you, I'd write a book about it and sell the book on Christian TV. Because Christians love to buy weird stuff. And, uh, but I don't know who the elders are, so I cannot, I cannot tell you who the elders are. I'm very sorry to disappoint you. Now, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Okay. You, you saw that his blood... In Genesis, if you go back to Genesis 4, his blood was crying out to God. His blood. So the blood of Abel cries out for justice. The blood of Jesus cries out for mercy. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel. Hebrews 12, 24. 
He's the mediator of a second and a better covenant, better mediator, better promises. So that's just good news. Now, the witness he obtained is that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, though he being dead, he still speaks. So blood always speaks. When you give, it speaks. Cornelius gave, it says his, his giving and his alms came up before the Lord as a memorial. Before God's own face and God who cannot forget remembered. <laughs> it's fascinating. So, so now this, his gift was a testimony that he was righteous. Now, I'm not talking about buying indulgences. I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm saying your actions testify of who you really are and what you really are. Now, by faith, Enoch was taken. So he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had the testimony that he pleased God. Do you know what's fascinating about this? The scripture doesn't say that he did anything except walk with God. God is always looking for a man or woman to walk with him. God is always looking for someone to feel him. Have you ever been in the ghetto? And they go, you feel me? You feel me? You feel me? Ten times, I mean, I feel you, bro. Well, God is like that guy going, you feel me? You feel me? You feel me? Do you feel me? You want to walk with me? You feel me? Do you feel what I feel? Do you see what I see? Do you value what I value? Do you prioritize what I prioritize? He walked with God and God said, I'm not, eh, you're going to beat death. Who's going to stop me? God is like, let me get the board approval, see if the elders will, will uh, well, the elders and the deacons can't handle this one. Well, no, I'm just going to take them. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, so the primary purpose of faith is not for me to get what I want. Although I do want what I want. That's well and good. That is not the primary purpose of faith. The primary purpose of faith is to please God. If I please God, I live with the joy and the pleasure and the delight of knowing that God is happy with how I am behaving. Can I tell you something? Can I unreligify something for you? When my children are cooperating with me, it will go well for them. If they come against me, I say in public, I'm not one of these normal white people, I will whoop you in public. And people flinching and stuff like that in, in, in the shop, right? I will, I am not one of these normal 
white people, bro, I will whoop you in public and you will get it. That's how I grew up. We got it. So if, if I am using my power for them, their life is better. But if they oppose me, I'm different than some of you. My feelings are not on the same server as their tears. So they cannot manipulate me because I don't live with guilt in my life, so you can't manipulate me. When you have guilt in your life, people can manipulate you. So I'm not, you're not going to manipulate me. I will say no to you. I don't care if you cry yourself to sleep. I cry myself to sleep many times. Go for it. You, you know, it's like God didn't change it. He left me stuck in the mud, crying and sleeping, waking up crying, go to sleep crying. Well, until you change, you'll be crying. So anyway, the primary purpose of faith is to please God. Now, God, you have to believe that he is. So I cannot come to him if I don't believe that he is. That's one. But he is what? A rewarder. We have a punisher God that can't wait to catch you in sin so he can punish you. That's what many people grew up in. Damage them. That's not our father. So although I'm into discipline, I, am, I want to be a rewarder. I want to reward what I want more of. If you do not reward what you want more of, you won't get more of what you want. So anyway, one of the words for rewarder is, I'm gonna, you're gonna, can you fact check me? You're here. So I, I, how do I say the word, renumer, is it renumerator? Renum, re, is there smart people here? There's a few of you guys. Joseph is fact checking me in the Greek. That's what I love. He comes from the Baptist root, so he's checking me out to make sure I'm all right. So now... Renumerate, you know what that means? That means the one who makes a payment. Go and study the word. You diligently seek him, he will make a payment. He will make a payment. You don't seek what he has, you seek him. When you seek him, you have access to what he has. You seek what he has, you don't have access to what he has. There's something about, and the reward, and the greatest reward is him. I am your exceedingly great reward. Why is he greater than what he does? Okay, let's say I have a financial need. I, I need a breakthrough. He gives me a breakthrough. Now I, real life happens. I got to spend the breakthrough. I got to wear the breakthrough. I got to poop the breakthrough out. And the breakthrough is now gone. Guess who I'm going back to? Him, he is the reward. See, it's different when you are seeking something from him or you are seeking him. Let's say you have a relationship with the rich people. If you are seeking something from them, they will withdraw from you. But if you just love people with no strings attached, you will have access to who they are and what they have at a much higher degree than if you seek something from them. They will be like, I don't feel safe with someone like you. With a friend like you who needs enemies. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> you know, like, you know, they don't, so people smell that. Now, Sister Tina was giving us a prophetic word earlier about joy. Faith fuels the fight, and patience and joy empowers us to endure. So I do not endure in my strength. I endure in his strength. My strength is limited to me, which means it will fail. But he, he, not me, he is able to keep you from stumbling. We are kept by the power of God. See, there's keeping power in God. It's really something when you have something and you don't have the power to keep it. I've been there too. That's real frustrating. <laughs> it's like, like whoa, where did that all go? Wow, bang, that's not, that doesn't feel good. And when you don't have the power to, to retain something, that's rough. So God wants to help us understand that it is him who keeps us. We are kept by his power. He is able to keep me from stumbling. I am not able to keep me from stumbling. That's why I will do things to set boundaries in my life to prevent me from stumbling, not trusting in that, but trusting in him. But since I trust him and I want to honor him, I've built value systems into my life to help what he's doing, not to get in the way of what he's doing. Does that make sense? So I'm not talking about religious rules, but if you value your marriage, well, you won't be, looking, you, you won't be meeting with women alone. Or porn or what, whatever it is. The more, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is that you value, you'll protect. Let's say you really don't value yourself. This is a major problem. I have had, I can tell you this, I have had successful people tell me I hate myself. I go, ain't that something? Wow. Wow, that was really quite a revelation there. I was like, well, you know, like, thank you for sharing. I was like, what do you say to that? Like, do you want me to hug you? Like, you know. But I mean, that's just, many people live with, you know, animosity toward themselves. Okay. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness according to faith. So that's the one thing about faith, it condemns the world. One of the things about someone who moves with the gift of faith is that it, it exposes other people's unbelief and it jostles people. It really, it, it, it really can ruffle people. I've been ruffled by other people's faith at times, so I know I'm not saying that. I, I'm not saying that to be a jerk. It can really agitate you when you get around faith because it can show you areas of unbelief in your life. And let me just say one thing. There's a difference between faith and presumption, and the roots of it are different. Faith is rooted in what God said. 
Presumption is rooted in what I want. They both have desire in them, but you need discernment to divide them correctly. That's very important. Now, what I want to show you something very quickly because it's already too late and I didn't get to my other scriptures. Which, hold on, let's see what we're doing. Let's take it out. Let's take the shot clock out on myself here. Not too bad. 40 minutes. Sarah hasn't started giving me the clock yet. <laughs> so anyway, you have faith that produces a good testimony. The testimony is what God sees about us and what honest people say about us. Bishops cannot have an ill testimony out in the world because of the work they do in the church is so important. So testimony is something, but I'm not talking about living to please people. I'm talking about the testimony of who you really are. Not your image, not the Google, uh, you know, but the real, 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 real. Not false accusations, but the real, the, the, the testimony and the witness of who we are is very critical. It's what lets people know that you're safe and you're real and they can trust you and, and uh, it's very important. All right, so then you, faith leads to this, but it also leads to this basic understanding that times and ages were framed by God's word. So that means that the season of your life is determined by what God is saying, not the need, not the struggle, not the situation, not the frustration, not the disappointment, maybe not even the bonus. None of those things are the determining factor of the ages that were framed by the rhema. So the, the, the rhema word is the thing that sets the framework for the season of your life. Framework is important. You know, before, before the faith is the faith is the what? The foundation. The rhema word is the framework. God is building a house. His house is people. You're going to see all the people that he built with and built on and built through. The first one gets himself killed. <laughs> the first, how big of a deal is a tithe? The first homicide was over a tithe. Tithe, you talk about that, people will walk out. Now you don't see it here because it's really awkward. It's like you need a double wide store. It's like, where do you go? Emotionally though, people check out. Not all of you, not you guys, but usually the Wednesday night crew doesn't. But <laughs> some Sunday folks are like, mm, you know. But so, the, so this is, okay. So faith got Abel killed. Real faith. <laughs> this is important. I want to show you something. Faith got Abel killed by his own brother. Brown on brown. The white man is not involved in this one. No, he's really the source of all evil in the world. I'm just joking. But so this is brown on brown, brother on brother. That's what that's what, what you're seeing in Israel right now is brother on brother. It's Isaac and, and Ishmael. It's Jacob and Esau. It's as old as Cain and Abel. That's another story. So we're gonna pray for them. I'm not gonna do that right now. So faith gets Abel killed. Faith gets Enoch. God bless Enoch. He beats death. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. 
He's like, I never died. That's amazing. Like, that's powerful. Like, God's own son had to die. I mean, Enoch is like, I never died. Like, it's awesome. You know, that's amazing. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty powerful, like, I just never died. <laughs> it's like, you meet Enoch. Like, how you doing? He's like, great. I never died. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's quite amazing. Enoch, you know, thanks. It's like, we, we, none of us have that testimony. It's like, I used to do drugs. God saved me. He's like, well, I never died. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> All right, well, amazing. So God takes Enoch, boom, he's gone. Then God shows us, okay, the primary purpose of faith is to please God, but in pleasing and seeking God, there is a reward. There is a payout. God will bless you. I believe that. Some of you, I really, listen to me. I believe that like I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, I really believe that. One reason. God is a father. It is a delight to bless your children. Especially when they are corroborating. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Okay. By faith, Noah builds an ark and he escapes... The judgment of God, although the judgment of God is breaking out all around him. So faith got one guy killed, one guy escaped, and one guy went through it, but was not a victim to it because he heeded the warning. This is important because we have to understand that there are times where your faith will get you killed, your faith will get you fired, your faith will get you canceled. There's other times where your faith will have you totally escape a situation like Mac. You see Mac? Do you know that when the Twin Towers were hit, Mac was in a cab in front of the building. And he goes, praise God, make a right. <laughs> and, and he got out of New York in a cab. Do you know that when the earthquake hit, Mac left me in Haiti... He was in an airplane on the way home when the earthquake hit. He escaped it. I had to go right through it. So your faith, but your faith, God is, God is building history with you through your faith. What does that mean? It means that God speaks to you. God puts grace toward you so you can put faith in him. God speaks to you so that you can respond to him. And in you responding and him speaking, you're building history. There is nothing more valuable than that. No thing, no house, no breakthrough, no promotion. No, nothing is more valuable than that. Because that is something that you will have forever. It cannot be taken from you. That was what Jesus said when Mary sat at his feet and heard his word. He said, you have chosen the thing that cannot be taken. See, when you build history with God, that's something that no, can nobody take that from you. They can kill you and your blood will still speak. They, you, they can't take that. All right. Now, Jesus mentioned the blood of Abel in Luke eleven fifty one. I'm not going to preach all this. 
The writer of Hebrews mentions the blood of Abel in Hebrews 12, 24. John the Beloved mentioned Cain being evil and Abel being righteous, not because of what he believed, but because of what he did. You have to understand something. I'm trying to show you something. This guy's name came up because his blood speaks. What you live for speaks about you. Jude, this is a fascinating, fascinating little bomb in there. That's like, that's like a little nuclear bomb in the end. I mean, new, he's talking about the judgment of angels, cities, people. People don't want to even... People, most people won't even read that book. And if they preach about that book, they will only preach Jude 120, pray in tongues. But the crescendo of that book is, 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 is actually that God is able to keep you from stumbling. Jude spoke about the way of Cain in the context of the righteous judgment of God. We're going to get into this. Not now, but <laughs> I feel like, praise the Lord. <laughs> We're going to get into the righteous judgment of God. You have to know that. If you don't know that, you have a half a gospel. Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the full counsel of God. Not half, half, not light and sweet gospel, not feel good. No, no, no. The full counsel of God. All right. That means we're almost done. All right. I want you to think of your faith is the fuel to fight. This came up earlier too, actually, when you guys were singing. It's really interesting. So there's a real common, common thread. It started last night late. I wrote a post about Psalm 23. Then Deborah's like, oh, she made a whole, uh, she wrote a book on Instagram. Then the Holy Spirit came with the joy and the whole stuff. So then there was healing. See, the God is, listen, if you're paying attention, God is an author. So there's, there's a thread. There's something that he's writing in this time. We need faith to fight. You are in a war. There's a war not only in the Middle East, not only with rockets and bombs, which is very real. That's not a metaphor. There are people, there are mothers screaming the name of their children they will never see again. There are children that are going to wake up and see their parents dead in the street. Nobody wins. There's a war. But the war is not just over there. The war is right here. There's a war. A war for your marriage. A war for your home. 
a war for your children, a war for your future. We were listening to Sister Annette share a story about a decision she had to make. She made a hard decision, but that decision was setting her up for the plans that God had for her future. See? So there's a war. I want to tell you this. And the reason I say this to you is because we're blessed. We're happy. We got Netflix. We got, you know, we can chill. We got the Wi-Fi. We're all right. And we, you know, just sit down and, but there's a war. So if you walk around, I don't know if you've ever been in a war zone or a refugee camp or somewhere where you need to be like heightened alert, the real hood, the, the hood hood, like you better be alert. Well, that's, that's how, that's the spiritual environment we've been living in. This has escalated from the days of covid there has been an acceleration, an escalation of warfare, of demonic stuff, of confusion, of fear, of bad choices, of people stepping back that should have stepped up. So now we have to be aware of what we're living in. I'm only saying this to you simply because imagine no one tells you you're in a war and you walk outside like, like looking like Big Bird and you get shot and, and you're dead. And we're going, what happened? What happened? You know, the brother, the brother so-and-so dead because he didn't know he was in a war zone. I mean, they're, they're, that, that's the, I hate to say it in this way, but that, that's, just what I, that's what I feel like spiritually. It feels like there is a, like, like we're in, like in a sense, like we should prepare for war. To quote the great theologian Memphis Bleak. <laughs> he said something, got my mind right, money right, ready for war. See, listen, this is the thing that God wants to get people's, their mind right. Money, you cannot fight a war without money. That's, that's why Haiti right now is extra vulnerable because the Dominican Republic has 11 canals that they made from one river and they do not want Haiti to have one. They make about $11 billion off of Haiti. They have third tier food that Haiti gets, the worst food. They have America and Europe. They have Dominican food for Dominicans, and Haiti has the third tier. They get the worst stuff. They're making a ton of money off of them. And they cannot fight, not because they don't have will, because they don't have money. Dominican Republic will outlast them one week. They'll be, they'll be broke. They don't got nothing. The United States, during, I don't know if you know this, but during World War II, created war bonds because they ran the federal government ran out of money, so they borrowed the money from the people to fund the war. So, if, so, so, so there's things in our life that we have to get right. Mind, money, preparation, we have to be prepared for what is coming. And I'm not ever telling you to be afraid. I'm not telling you the sky is falling. I'm not telling you to trust in your money or trust in your preparation, but I'm saying it's wise 
to be prepared. This is what I learned from an earthquake. I learned from living through an earthquake that 230,000 people died in 30 seconds, that we are more prepared for situations by the grace of God than we know. That's one thing. You know what I learned through living through a hurricane? We are not as prepared as we should be. I learned both of those lessons through living through those type of situations. So whatever you're going through, make sure you learn the lesson that that situation is supposed to be teaching you. Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. Learn the lesson. Learn the lesson. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your people. I bless them. God, I ask you for protection over them. I ask you to prosper the work of their hands. I ask you to give them increase. I ask you to give them wisdom. I ask you, Lord, to watch over their children. I ask you, Lord, for your hand of favor and protection on your people in this time and that you would help us to get ready for the future that you're designing for your children. In Jesus' name, amen.